Well, my name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho, and we're glad you're with us for that surprising retelling of the Christmas story. Uh, But then again, Christmas is full of surprises, isn't it? I mean, the surprise of what might be under the tree tonight or tomorrow morning, the surprise maybe of dealing with uh, emotions that rush to the forefront Uh, when you're reminded of memories or caught off guard with grief and remind us that Christmas isn't always a time of celebration. The first Christmas, though, was full of surprises. If you think about it, think almost everyone in the Christmas story was surprised in some way. Mary, surprised that she was going to have a baby. Unsuspecting shepherds, surprised by first one and then a whole multitude of angels sent to sing to those lonely blokes. Herod's surprising and furious response to a baby being born in Bethlehem. The phrase, they won't be expecting that, probably could have been uttered by every single person in the original Christmas story at one point or another. Maybe you have your own uh, experiences of being surprised at Christmas. I can remember one year, not that long ago, uh, we had some guests over to our house at Christmas time, and I announced that in about an hour or so, we would be having dinner. And the person said, oh, that's wonderful. Uh, it's no one, none of you here, by the way, so I'm not throwing any of you under the bus. Uh, uh, they said, that's wonderful. And then right away, they just proceeded to kind of go over to our fridge and just help themselves to whatever was in there. Right after I had said to them, we were going to be eating in like 59 minutes. So, I mean, it surprised me on a couple of levels. One, I was a little bit surprised that uh, I had just told them we were going to eat and they couldn't hold it for another hour. And then I was also a little bit surprised because I didn't know these people very well, but they just felt very comfortable going into my fridge and getting whatever else that they wanted to help themselves to. And I started to think a little bit about it to myself. You know, the fridge, I don't know how you treat your fridge, but the fridge is a little bit of a private space in your home. Am I right? Like, it's not really people that, you know, telemarketers come and then at your door and knock on the, and and you just say, oh, come and see what's in the fridge. Like, the fridge is a little bit like your ensuite bathroom upstairs. Only people that you know really well get to go into your fridge, right? So, as I got to thinking about this, we actually have a phrase in our house that we use to describe this, and we call it refrigerator rights. Sociologists actually use this term. Uh, Dr. Will Miller and his colleague wrote a book. It's being re-released in January. And in this book, they use the term refrigerator rights to determine and define the depth of a relationship that you have with someone. And so if someone has a deep, close, intimate relationship with you, and they can come right into your home and go into your fridge and find whatever they want and eat it, and it's not weird, that means you have a good relationship with that person. And then they have refrigerator rights in your home. And you've invited them into your home. You've invited them into your heart and even into your refrigerator. But the surprising moments come when people that maybe don't necessarily have that kind of access either take that access 
uh, or you take it. You know, the line, that invisible line that they step across. The line maybe where one party has refrigerator rights or thinks they do, but the other party doesn't think that you do. So try it sometime over this uh, next week or so. Just go to a friend's house and just open their fridge and start grabbing stuff out of it. And you'll know, trust me, you'll know very quickly how good of a relationship you have with that person and whether or not you have refrigerator rights at their house. If awkward silence descends on the room when you help yourself, then you don't have refrigerator rights in their house. But the question that I want us to explore tonight is who has refrigerator rights in your life? When you have refrigerator rights in someone's life, you probably should know it. The beautiful thing about that level of relationship is that there's a depth to it. And when you have a depth of relationship that someone can go into your home and grab something out of your fridge, it means that everything else underneath that is included as well in that relationship. And the good news about this Uh, is that this obviously, hopefully, should be reciprocal in some way. So it would be odd, though, uh, if you had fridge rights in someone's life and they were unwilling, let's say you were out shopping and doing some last-minute shopping and your cell phone battery ran out and your friend asked you, could I borrow your cell phone to make a local call? And you said to them, no. But would you mind looking after my kids next weekend? would be a little bit odd that you wouldn't let them use your phone, but you would trust them with your kids. So if you trust them with your kids, then your phone probably is included as well for making a local call if theirs isn't working. Same thing with the refrigerator rights. If someone has that level of relationship with you, everything else underneath it is included as well. Refrigerator rights relationships are the people who have permission to go into the not-as-public areas of your life and of your home. They're the people that come over when your house is messy and you don't worry about pre-tidying for them. You just, these are people that you just have the ability to be yourself with in a relationship. These are people with whom you can weather challenges and storms of life. And the relationship can handle some hurt and some misunderstandings along the way. And the great part about that type of relationship is when you have it, everything is on the table. And here at Jericho Ridge, Uh, This Advent, Pastor Keith mentioned we've been exploring the different gifts that were given to Jesus and the heart of the givers. And the shepherds gave their time to come and see and go and declare the good news. We've looked at the Magi who brought uh, precious gifts and costly gifts. We've looked at Joseph and Mary who gave up their uh, future and their sense of relationship uh, to parent the Son of God. But there's one more giver in the story that we haven't explored yet, and that is God himself. In fact, God actually gave us, in this story, the most precious and lasting gift of all. He gave himself when he sent his son Jesus into the world that first Christmas. And in giving himself in this way, God demonstrated to us that everything else is on the table. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it's printed on the front of your programs this evening. In the message translation of the Bible, it says it this way. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, 
Is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely give and do for us? You see, Christmas reminds us that if God gave us the greatest gift that he could possibly give to us, then everything else is on the table. If Jesus didn't hesitate not only to embrace our human condition, but also to live a perfect life and then give up his life for us, as we read in the kids' Christmas story already, then is there anything that he wouldn't gladly and freely give to us? And the answer is no, there isn't. Mercy and freedom from the guilt and the shame of our past failures and mistakes over this year can be ours through Jesus. Peace and strength and grace in the middle of incredible hardships and trials and hurts. It's on the table. Hope for the future and a deeply abundant and meaningful life that begins now and goes on into eternity can be yours through Jesus. See, all this and more comes to us in a life-changing relationship with God through Jesus. Because if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition, exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? But the gift that God gives and has given to us in Jesus requires something of us. And it requires the same thing that actually any gift requires. Something so simple that uh, any school-aged child and any one of us in this room could actually do it. It's something profound because it has capacity to change your life forever. And you're likely actually going to do this multiple times over the course of this evening and into tomorrow. So you'll be good at it because you'll have lots of practice. And the simple action is that when someone gives you a gift, you have to simply reach out and receive it. And tonight, God is offering you a gift, the gift of a closer relationship with him. And in order to receive that gift, you actually have to give God something. You actually need to give God refrigerator rights in your life. See, many of us actually go through our lives keeping God at a distance. Some of us let God into parts of our lives, but we would, don't want him to go right into some of those more, what we would think of as private areas. Or spaces. But see, friends, that's not what being a Christian or a follower of Jesus is all about. Being a Christian or being a follower of Jesus means giving God access to your life and following Him in the way of Jesus. Because God's desire is to have access to the whole of your life. God gave His life for you. And so his invitation is for you to give your life to him. And God's desire for this relationship is that it would be matched in terms of the depth and level of relationship, that you would share that kind of refrigerator rights orientation. And so 
He embraced our condition. He didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us. He sent his son. Is there anything else that God wouldn't gladly and freely do for you and for me? And the message of Christmas is a resounding no, there isn't. Because he has done it and continues to do it. And so does God have refrigerator rights in your life tonight? If he doesn't, and you want to receive the greatest gift that's ever offered, I want to you to repeat after me, and I'll lead us in a time of prayer, and then Ron and the team will come and lead us in some songs of response and reflection. I invite you to bow your head with me, and let's pray together. Loving and gracious God, I want to thank you for this night. I want to thank you for all uh, that it represents. I want to thank you for the hope that you bestow. Thank you for the peace that you bring. Thank you for the love that you pour out and the joy that you give. And God, I pray uh, for each person here in this place tonight that maybe that's a new thought or experience for them. God, I pray that you would meet each one of us tonight and that you would reveal again yourself to us. And God, I pray for each person uh, that would like to take that step of receiving the gift that you offer. And so if that's you, you just pray a prayer and say, God, I want to receive that gift of Jesus, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of mercy, the gift of relationship with you. And I want you to receive the gift of my life. I trust you. I place my life in your hands. I want to give you refrigerator rights in my life tonight. And so, God, I pray that for each one of us as we move throughout the course of this evening and into tomorrow and some of the celebration and memories and times that this will bring both of joy and some challenges, God, I pray that you would uh, yet again remind us of your great and gracious gift to us and our response to you, Father. We want to respond as people who are grateful for the gift of your Son, Jesus, and offer you again all of our lives, full access to every part as a demonstration of our gratitude for the gift that you have given to us. In the name of Jesus, your Son, we pray, who made this possible. Amen.